Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Crossroads, Part 1. For the next few weeks leading up to Easter and on Easter, I want us to do a series called Crossroads. Crossroads, um, the cross presents to us crossroads. The cross... um, There are choices that are to be made because of the cross. There are choices that are to be made because of the cross. There's choices that were made to create the cross, to uh, for the cross to take place. And so, I want us to just go through these crossroads of faith, these crossroads of choices, over the next few weeks and through Easter, and um, hopefully, we'll have a good time. Ephesians chapter one. Verse 3 through 8. I'm going to read this from the New American Standard, and then we're going to read another translation to get started today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Let's read that in the message. How blessed is God. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing. That's not good. And takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down the earth's foundations, He had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of His love. To be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, providing for, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. Verse 11. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. 
Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. See, in the New American Standard, in verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In the message version, it says, "Long." Let's see. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. God chose us before the foundations of the world. There's a choice that's been made. So many times we think that everything rises and falls on our choices. Your choices are secondary. His choice is the most important choice. Without his choice, we don't have a choice. If he had not chose us, we would not have the ability to choose him. If he had not chose us, we wouldn't be here because he wouldn't have made us. But if we had made us and he didn't choose to redeem us, then there's no way. There's no way, there's no thing that you could ever do, you could ever obtain that could possibly get you to him. Nothing. He chose us. He chose us. The reason why Jesus died on the cross and rose again that we'll celebrate and recognize in a few weeks on a day that we've chosen to celebrate and recognize. There's so many people that get uptight about that. I can choose to celebrate that day anytime that I want to. I don't know all the origins of every single thing and every intention of every man's heart in the history of the world about everything that we do. But I'm not bound by what every man's thought or intention was about everything that we do. Amen? And so we will choose to celebrate the resurrection of Christ on April 21st this year. How's that? There we go. We just chose that. I've never even heard of that before. Have you? Let's just do it. Let's just do it on April 21st. Let's call it Easter. Let's call it Resurrection Sunday. How about that? Let's have all our family come. Let's eat. Let's have a party. Great idea. Wish I'd thought of that sooner. We could have been celebrating that every year. He chose us. He chose us and then he made us. And then we had a choice. We didn't do so hot with our choice, right? We didn't choose him over temptation. We didn't choose to trust him over the lies of a serpent. We didn't choose to believe what he said and believe that he had our best interest at heart. We chose to believe the lies of the serpent. Satan, 
telling us, man, God probably just doesn't want you to be like him, so he's trying to hold things back from you. Isn't it amazing that all they knew in the garden was good? And this tree is the knowledge of good and evil. They knew good. They walked with God in the cool of the day. So God's just saying, don't eat of the tree that makes you introduce the evil. It's kind of like um, if there was the tree of the knowledge of pain and pleasure. And God's like, we have, I just walk with you every day. This whole existence is a pleasurable existence. Hey, don't go eat that tree because I don't want you to know pain. Why dare God try to withhold from me any knowledge that he has? He knows pain because he's not limited by time or space, and he knows the state of the world, and he, in the moment he created us, is in the moment when his son, and he turns his back on his son on the cross. So he knows pain. But you don't have to know pain. We never have to experience pain. We never have to experience evil. We can walk in this blissful time with him, but we believe a lie. And we make a choice. Amazingly though, somehow, that choice is supposed to bring death. But because of God's choice, it trumps our choice. See, the Bible is just chalked full of man's choices. Some are great choices. We can look through there and find great heroes of the faith. What's amazing though is even the heroes of the faith, we see a lot of great choices and then sometimes we see bad choices. David, we see do so many great things, and then we see him make a really, really, really bad series of choices. When he sees Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop, and he goes and he brings her, and he lays with her and conceives a child, and then has her husband killed, all these bad choices. But his choices didn't invalidate God's choice that he had already made. And so our life is full of choices. And yes, we should desire to make choices that honor God. But at the end of the day, we all have fallen short. And we all have made bad choices. But because of God's choice, we have the ability always to come back to Him and embrace His choice for our life. And so man made a choice. We believed a lie. It separated us from God. In Philippians 2, we see where Jesus made a choice. He chose not to cling to being God. But he chose to become a man. And he humbled himself and he made a choice. You know, we shouldn't just think of this stuff like, well, that's God and God's God. God is... His relationship with you has been full of choices. And He's consistently made the choices that bring life to you. Before the foundation of the world, He made a choice. It says the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So before you were created, there was the knowledge that you would fall. That there was the knowledge that His Son would have to die. You know what's amazing to me? Um, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? And we know that in Him and by Him, all things were made. So can you just see a picture right now of Jesus making you out of dust? 
knowing that this vessel that he's making, if it lives, if he finishes this project, and if he breathes life into it, this project is going to fail, yeah. is going to make a bad choice, and it is going, it is making, he's, he's standing in eternity. He's in the cross while he's making us at the same time. You understand? We, you know, I, I have a hard time with this, wrapping my brain around it, but I love to think this way because, you know, we so many times say, you know, and, and Scripture even says he could call down legions of angels, right? And he could have wiped out the whole army that wanted, wanted to put him on a cross. But at the same time, he's not limited to time or space, so he could have just said, no. He could have been getting ready to blow into it and sitting there contemplating the cross. See, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was making you at the same time. So while his sweat was turning to drops of blood, and he was contemplating this choice again and again, at the same time, it's the weight of the choice, and he was in that moment knowing. Does that make sense? He's not limited by time or space. So I mean, the earth is not a linear timeline for him. He's outside of it. So here's the cross, and here's creation, and he's making you, and he's dying for you, and he's making you, and he's dying for you. So not only at this moment could he have called down legions and just done away with it and left you desolate, but he could have been in that same moment just said, I'm not making them. But it's choice after choice after choice after choice. And love compels his choices. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And John 4, 7 and 8 says God is love. So he was love. And so love can't do anything else but to make you and breathe life into you. And love can't do anything else than simultaneously die for you and make a choice to go to the cross for you. Yet we think, somehow, we're going to make a choice bad enough to corrupt the whole system of God making holy choices. He's whole. He's complete and lacking nothing. He is love. And He is not going to change. He is always going to be the same. And your choice is not going to change His mind. There's a song that I love when we sing that he knew what he was getting into when he chose us. Never more real when I saw the picture this morning of him making us, he knew what he was getting into. How much love is that? I want my, I mean, how much love does it take to go ahead and make a creation that you're going to have to die for just because you love the creation so much? I mean, I'm going to make this anyways because I just, I, I, I have to. My love compels me to. I have to create. I have to make. I have to produce. I have to do all this stuff because my love compels me to. No matter if it means that I die for him, I have to do this. That's, I mean, do you see? I mean, really it's his choice, but because of who he is, he doesn't even have a choice, and there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to change that. And yet we literally think God is like us. And we think he's up there being petty. Like we're petty. And we think he's up there saying, shoot, I'm not doing this. 
I dare them. After all I've done for them, and they did like this, I told them four times already. Four whole times I've told them. Some of you, some of you like me that grew up in a church, I've told them like a bunch of times. And we genuinely believe somehow we're going to exhaust his very nature, who he is. But the cross is proof that he's never going to make a different choice. 1 Peter 2, 9, 10, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Look at John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. I chose you so that you can bear fruit and ask anything you ask be given to you. Matthew 16, Jesus starts telling his disciples that he's going to have to go to the cross. And he's going to have to... Die, and you guys know the story. Peter rebukes him. And he looks at Peter and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because you're thinking like man and not like God. It's hard for us to think like God. It's hard for us to wrap our brain around the reality that there was never a question in Jesus' mind about whether or not he was going to die or not. There's never a question in his mind, even when the Pharisees try to trap him. He was going to die for them. Never a question in his mind when they, the people who laid out palm branches before him and welcomed him into Jerusalem and then days later were crying out, crucify him. There was never a doubt in his mind, I'm going to die for them. Choice had been made for the foundations of the world. He doesn't change his mind. And you're not going to get him to change his mind about you. He's already made a choice. The only choices that are left to be made in this day and time are our choices. All of his choices have already been made. I talked about it a little bit last week, and I got some flack. Staff made fun of me, made some jokes. Because I made the comment about some things you don't even need to pray about it. You don't need to pray about whether or not God has changed his mind about you. There's principles in his word that you don't need to pray about. If it says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, and you say, God, should I sow bountifully? And he just answers you with the same thing. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Well, God, should I sow bountifully? He just answers you again. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow, what do you want me to tell you? You know why? Because we have a choice. He already set his stuff. He chose that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. He chose that. Because you can't 
exercise faith in the one who gives life and abundance and is whole, complete, and lacking nothing. You can't possibly make any step in your life to align yourself with him without receiving the fullness of who he is. And so that's not something you have to pray about. It's not something you have to think about. It's not something you have to get an answer on. You just have to make a choice. Look at Romans 5. 6-8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps... For the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were not choosing him, he chose us. While we were actively not making the choices that should cause him to choose to redeem us and save us, he still chose us. Let's look at uh, Romans 5. 8 through 19. Here it is in a nutshell. This is the message. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all into this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God, made a choice, and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. God, Jesus made a choice to say yes to the plan. I was thinking this morning, and I had to call him and tell him to add it, about the story in Luke chapter 15 of the two sons. One of the sons goes to the father and says, Father, give me all my inheritance. I want to go out and do my own thing. So he gives him all of his inheritance. He goes off into a foreign land, and he spends all of his money, uh, King James says, on riotous living. So he spends all of his money on partying and hanging out and unwholesome things and things that are, you know, trying to fill himself with all of what he had inherited, and he runs out of all of his money, and he's in a pig pen. And he's feeding the pigs, and he's wanting to eat the food from the pigs and says, man, if I just had somebody to feed me, I could eat this food. Verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. And I was struck by this 
these items that the father asked the slaves to get for his son. He asked them to get the best robe. How many robes does he have? So how do they know which robe to get? It's almost like there was a plan. It's almost like it was already prepared. Get a ring and put it on his hand and sandals and put it on his feet. Which sandals? Which ring? Which robe? I love this the best. And he says, bring thee. Everybody say thee. thee. Fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. He didn't sing bring a fattened calf. They probably have more than one fattened calf. You know, do they go weigh them all? It didn't just say the fat calf. It didn't just say go pick the one that's fat. When a, when a calf is fattened, that's an intentional action. And so that takes time. And so that takes preparation. And so the slaves knew exactly which calf he was talking about because they had been fattening that calf for the return of his son. And so long before, long before the son came to his right mind, don't we get excited? Praise God for coming to our right mind, right? Praise God for all of the right choices you've made. I don't want to downplay right choices. Thank God for right choices. And Lord, help us make a lot more of them, right? And so, but before you ever made any of those right choices, He chose. He chose to prepare the calf. He chose to make preparation for your return. He chose to diligently every day go out and feed a calf specifically for your return. There's intentionality and there's choice. Go get the calf that we've been fattening and preparing for this moment. And so while you're doing whatever you're doing in life, while you're making whatever choices you're making, today I just want you to know that he's already made his choice about you. He's already made his choice about you. And every day, with intentionality, he is living out his choice that he made about you. He made it with his son. Jesus made it with his life. He made it when he went ahead and went through with creation, even though he knew we were going to be a handful. And you have to see this. Sometimes we feel so disconnected from creation. But when God made Adam, he saw you. Do you think God in any way, you know, every, when a woman is born, she has every egg she'll ever have. So you were, you know, you were in your mama's belly when she was born. You were there. And so God, when he created Adam and then when he created Eve, woman, 
Do you think he probably was limited in knowing everything that was going to come from that? So in that moment, it wasn't a choice to make two people. It was a choice to make you in that moment. And it was a choice even knowing. Man, he knew their choice, but he didn't just see their choice. In that moment, he says, man, if I make them, they're going to make this choice about that tree, and then I'm going to have to come, and I'm going to have to bruise his head with my heel and stuff. But he saw all of our choices. He saw all your choices. I mean, you did not take him by surprise. He did not just one day say, oh, wow, I never saw it getting this bad. If I had known that person was going to make that choice, I would have rethought this whole thing. He knew it all. He saw it all. Not only did he foreknow it, but he was in it. Once again, he was there. He was making them, and in that same moment, he was sitting with you on your worst choice, and he was like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to make something that has the potential for such devastation and destruction and heartbreak? Absolutely. Because I have everything they need. And I, that vessel has the potential for life and wholeness and fullness and to live in absolute pleasure and fullness. All we have to do is make that choice. So he made his choice. Look at Joshua 24, 14, 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a choice. I want to read to you First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 3. We'll read 3 through 5 from the message. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You've already put your time in that God-ignorant way of life. Partying night after night, a drunken and profligate life. Now it is time, profligate means reckless, by the way. I had to look that up. Not that smart. Who, knew, who in here knew what profligate mean? All right, I'm, I'm that company then. <clears throat> now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore, but you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called on the carpet and before God himself. You've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life. Another translation says, hasn't it been long enough that you've walked in those choices? Proverbs chapter 1. You can just go there and I'm going to read it in just a moment. 
I was thinking today during worship um, just about the a few weeks ago when we talked about our history with God and Nolan sang that song and our history goes way back before you were ever able to start choosing things. Your history with him goes way back before you ever knew anything or were able to choose anything. The history of our relationships goes, goes back to his choice. That's what our relationship is based on. It had nothing to do with us. And I was thinking today, um, during worship, I saw Susan up here, and I was thinking about Susan and Kenny, and I was thinking about the different generations and, and how vintage life was represented and millennial life was rep represented. And I was just reminded how um, when we put the life groups together, um, and we were just going through and looking at the demographics of the church and, try, and trying to assign everybody to life groups and get those names delegated out and all those things. And your, Kenny and Susan's names, um, I saw them on the Vintage Life life group. And I was like, that's not right. That's probably broken. John, how did they get on the Vintage Life life group? They're like 40 years old. And then I remembered, I'm 40 years old. <laughs> and I used to ride around in Susan's car on her lap. While, while, and she'd let me drive her car. And, and Kenny was like the athlete that I idolized and just wanted to be like. And I mean, just, just a young man that took us camping and done, did so many great things with us. And they're in vintage life. When did, how did that happen? And it ain't going to be long before I'm in vintage life. I see Mary Jewel here today. Good to have you, Mary. Mary Jewel used to ride on my leg. Literally. That girl rode on my leg. I walk around church and she'd just hang on there. I say all that to say, time flies. And our little part here is just such a blip on this amazing history and just pattern and process and just of the kingdom and who God is and his choices. And so our whole life from birth until death is this little bitty blip on the whole span. That's just time. But then you look at number of people and you look at God goes deep and wide. I mean, he just, he's not limited by time or space. He's not limited by any type of number. He's never overwhelmed by any amount of things. And then so our life literally on God's scale of making choices, do we think? Now, I'm not trying to make us seem insignificant because it's amazing how we can be so insignificant in the whole overall scheme of time and space and how many people have ever sucked wind on this planet we can be that insignificant yet you feel his spirit drawing you today so how's that but that much and then yet literally 
Choice after choice after choice after choice, generation after generation after generation after generation before the foundations of the world over and over, faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and tried and true and tried and true, never leave, never forsake, go with you even to the end, never changing, the grass withers, flowers fade, word of God stands forever, always the same, never changing, always choosing, always loving, always embracing, always redeeming. His mercy endures forever. Forever is a cool word like all in Scripture. You know what it means? Forever. That was confusing. That's a trick question. It's one of those words in Scripture that means exactly what it says, alright? Forever. Forever doesn't just mean forever in the future. It means forever in the past. It means it just is. His mercy is. And it's never changed and it never will change. And here we are. Okay? This is your entire life. And this is this way on a linear, and then let's say this way in the number of people that's ever lived, okay? And so it's bigger than this whole building that way and bigger than this whole building this way. And here's your life. That's your span. And somewhere in that is one of your bad choices. That's like taking some food coloring in an eyedropper out in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> dropping one drop in and being confused why the ocean didn't turn red. That's the power, that's the power of your bad choice to change the heart of God towards you. You genuinely think somehow that one choice in your one life over the span of who He has proven to be for all generation and all lives, and somehow your choice is going to invalidate that. It's never going to happen. Yet, yet, there is the potential in that little span for one of those little choices to bring into our life all of the span of everything that He makes available to us. So choices do matter. But choices do not invalidate us. And choices do not disqualify us because of His choice. Let me end with this. Proverbs chapter 1. You put that, leave that graphic, graphic for just a minute. I just want you to see this. We're going to put the scripture up, but get this in your mind. Here we are. There is a crossroads. There is a spiritual crossroads at the cross with all of our lives, but there's, it correlates with a crossroad of choices and decisions in how we live. Proverbs 1.20, you can go ahead and put it up. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. You see that? 
Every time you come to a gate, a crossroads, all this stuff, wisdom is in the gate, in the city. And at the gate of every roadway and every entrance and every door, wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is saying, hey, come over here. Wisdom is saying, hey, do not go here. There is assistance in our navigating these crossroads. All those choices that we make, right or wrong, His choice is greater and it triumphs. But today, He stands at the door and knocks and He gives us a choice. If I was one that was concerned about getting the amount of people to raise hands, as many people as I could, then I would always try to scare people into doing that. And say, well, you know, you're not promised tomorrow, so you better make that choice today. But how can I tell you how great the love of God is in one breath, and then if you make a bad choice today, you're finished. I don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. But this is not about getting into heaven. This is about living life. If you're not promised, a lot of people put these signs. I saw a sign one time that said, if you die tonight, where will you spend eternity? That tactic to make someone afraid. I want to put signs up that say, if you live tomorrow, where will you live? I'm more concerned with where you're going to live tomorrow. I'm speaking to a room full of people today, and the odds are y'all are all going to live tomorrow. And the odds are you're all going to live this week. And I'm concerned about where you're going to live. I mean, are we going to live in the fullness of what God has made for us? All these choices that he made were to bring about this life that's full and overflowing. Why? I mean, it makes no sense. Okay, when he's at the cross and he's making us, yeah, I'll go ahead and make them. They don't have to die and just to keep them from dying. And da, da, da. No, I'll go ahead and make them because of the potential of what we can have together and how we can live together. And they walked in it in the garden and then they lost it. And then Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. I come to restore what was lost in the garden. He came to renew that fellowship, renew that life with Him. Will we just accept His choice? Will we just accept what He's done? Will we just choose to embrace the life that He chose to give us? Can everybody just bow your heads where you're at today? Don't always do this, but I just really felt prompted to do it today. If you're in the room and you just want to make that choice today and you just want somebody to agree with you, you just want somebody to know you're making that choice, I'll be that person with you today.
If you say today, man, this has been enough time. This has been enough time. I know my scale, the time that I have on the overall scheme is just such, just a spot. But my spot has been wasted a lot of. And that time is enough. Today, I just want to choose to receive the robe, to receive the ring, to receive the sandals, to receive the fattened calf, to receive what's been prepared for me, to embrace the choices He made for me, to come into agreement with His choice for my life. Will you just slip your hand up where you're at while everybody's heads down? See you, see you, see you. Awesome, 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 awesome. So let's just do that together where you are right now in your seat. We just pray in your own way. Repeat after me. You can, you don't even have to say it out loud. God, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing me before the foundation of the world. Thank you for always choosing me. Thank you for choosing to make me. Thank you for choosing to breathe life into me. Thank you for giving me the life that you've given me. Thank you for giving me the opportunities. God, I want to bring that life to you today. I want to bring all of who I am, the sum of who I am, the sum of all my choices, the sum of all I've done. I just want to completely surrender the vessel you chose to make, named me, back to you today. And I want to be completely Submitted and surrendered to your will for my life. I want my choices to be your choices. I thank you, Jesus, for choosing me. Thank you, God, for choosing me and sending your son. Jesus, thank you for choosing me and being willing to humble yourself. To put on flesh and to come to this earth and to die for my sin to wash me clean and to thank you for raising again so that I can walk in new life. I ask that you lead me, Holy Spirit, into truth, into freedom. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.